Welcome to the Spirit of a Badass, where we celebrate stories of courage, hope, and resiliency. I'm your host, Alicia Jacobson. What's up, badasses? Welcome to today's show. Thank you for joining us here today. Today's guest has a very important message. Her story hits home a little bit, and I, I, I hope that it creates awareness for you, and I hope that it creates conversations within your family, with your kids, with your loved ones, because through awareness and conversations, we can create change. And I hope that from today's podcast, that this is what you leave with today. My guest, Michelle Coleman, has been active in the Madison business community for over 30 years, from being the youngest and first female general manager of Adams Outdoor Advertising, to the publisher and co-owner of Brava Magazine, to owning and operating the Madison Play It Again sports franchise, which she turned around to a thriving business and recently sold. Since losing her beloved 18-year-old son, Cade Reddington, almost two years ago, Michelle has been a fierce warrior mom and passionate advocate for building more awareness around the fentanyl poisoning epidemic facing our youth in our nation. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for being here. How are you today? Today, I actually am feeling really good. Yes, I've been dealing with some really bad back pain for the last eight weeks, and today is the first day I have, I feel free from it. Oh. So it's a really good day. Well, I'm glad that today you're feeling good. Yeah, thank you. All right. So, Michelle, this wasn't this long ago that your whole life has been just turned upside down and is is changed. You are you are changed. So mm -hmm. thank you for one. And I just want to just kind of acknowledge and bring space to that this wasn't that long ago. So a lot of people, when I speak with them, the things that they've experienced have been five, 10, you know, 15 years ago. So this is very fresh and also in that short time, you have made a big impact and done a lot of things. And I'm, I'm really, I'm really thankful that today can hear your story and then hear about your mission that you're now on. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm pleased to be able to tell the story because I know every time I do, it helps save lives. Mm -hmm. Yes. So Michelle, if you could take us back to the time when everything changed for you and tell us a little bit about your yeah. story. Well, and the two-year anniversary is coming up, so there's always so much angst and emotion around around the anniversary dates. So it was November 4th, 2021, and my son Cade had graduated from Wanakee High School that spring of 2021 and went to UW-Milwaukee that fall. And he had had some struggles in high school. He had done some experimenting and had used some marijuana and got into some trouble for some drinking. And during his junior year, decided that he was going to give that all up because he had lost his sports eligibility for getting in trouble a few times. And he dropped his friends and turned everything around and um, was going to NA meetings with a friend. And I asked him, why are you going to NA meetings if you're not using drugs? I just thought he was drinking. And he said, well, it's just the same thing as it's the same concepts as AA. And I'm just going with my friend. But anyways, he was super proud of himself for getting his 90-day chip, and he worked to school, and we had him going to a counselor because he was dealing with some depression, and we were worried about his experimental use, and then COVID hit, and he lost the NA meetings, and he lost his counselor. But I thought we were in the clear. I thought he was doing great, and when I sent him off to school, I, I knew he had been smoking some marijuana, and 
he had told me after the fact that he had dabbled with some prescription pills, but that he wasn't doing that anymore. So when he told me, or when I knew he was smoking marijuana, he was 18. And I was like, okay, I don't like this, but at least it's not anything worse, like the opioids. So I thought he was off at school and that we were in a good place. So November 4th, 2021 at 6 a.m., I got the phone call that changed my life. And it was my brother, it's a long story that we can't get into, but my brother found out before I did. And he said, have you talked to anybody else today? And I said, no. And he said, have you talked to Ross, who's my son? And I said, no. And he said, Kate OD'd last night. And I was like, what do you, what do you mean OD'd? Like dead OD'd? And he said, yeah, he's gone. And I, I just, I started screaming, no, that this doesn't make any sense. My son would not overdose. Like he's not doing anything that could kill him. How can this be? I had no concept of understanding how my son would have overdosed. So then I started hearing about how there was people that were dying from these blue M30 pills, Percocets, but they weren't Percocets, they're fake, they're pressed with fentanyl. So in the coming days after that, I started hearing this and then we got the toxicology report back and we found out that the only thing in Cade's system was 100% fentanyl. And he had been drinking some that night, but that was not the contributing factor, it was the fentanyl. So here he told somebody that he took a Percocet and it wasn't, it was, there was no oxycodone in that pill. It was 100% fentanyl. So then in the coming week, when we were starting to plan for the funeral, my brother was looking on the web, trying to dig into what was going on. And he came across the DEA's website and the DEA had started this campaign called One Pill Can Kill. And then in the week after that, the news came out that there was 100,000 overdose deaths in the last year, primarily driven by fentanyl. So my, my head exploded. I thought, how can all of these people be dying? And I have never heard of fentanyl. And these kids did not know that this was in the pills. And I, I kind of went ballistic because I was so angry that we have all these people dying in our country and that nobody was talking about it. And then about a week later, I had a mom reach out to me on social media, giving me condolences. And we quickly put it together that her son died in the same dorm at UW-Milwaukee nine months prior from a Percocet that was fentanyl. And the school did absolutely nothing to educate students about it. They just wanted to sweep it under the rug and I had even asked the Dean of Students, I said, how many drug overdoses have you had on your campus in the last year? And he said, I don't know, I'll have to get back with you. He called me back a week later and said, yeah, Cade's the first one this year. And then the mom reached out to me after that. So I was like, he's lying, to, why is he lying to me? They're trying to just hide this. So, and a little bit more about Cade's story about what happened that night. And this is why it's so important for education, for kids to know what is going on and that, Fentanyl is in every single drug now in the illicit drug supply. It is in marijuana, it's in cocaine, it's in prescription pills, it's in vape pens. It's, it's everywhere because it's super highly addictive and first time use will get you addicted. So if you don't have a high tolerance for it, it can kill you or it's gonna get you addicted right away. So anyways, what happened that night was 
Cade was out and then he came back and he, he got the pill when he was out of his dorm. He came back to his dorm and he found a girl that he was friends with and he said, I took a perk and I feel yucky. And then they went back to his dorm room and he laid down in a beanbag chair and he was surrounded by his sweet mates, great kids from the Nina area. He had just met them and they had no experience with drugs that was not in their realm at all. So when Cade laid down in the beanbag chair, everybody just thought he fell asleep. So they were on their computers working around my son as he was dying and had no idea and so I just, I kept thinking, what if the school, when Logan passed away earlier that year, would have taken that as an opportunity to educate the incoming freshmen on fentanyl? Like these kids could have known, the girl that he told who could have known that you could die from that. She had no idea. And now this poor girl has to live with this. And these poor boys too, that their friend died right behind them. And by the time they realized that there was something wrong, they didn't even, they, they weren't trained on the symptoms. So they went and Google searched. They didn't call 911 right away. They Google searched the symptoms and matched up that his fingernails were blue and that he had shallow breathing, that his pulse was not strong. And then they went and got the RA on the floor below and then 911 was called. And the UWM police carry Narcan, they were in that building. Their office is in Sandberg Hall if just think if the girl had heard that there was fake pills and that you could die from it she could have said Cade I'm going to get Narcan and I am going to sit with you and make sure you're okay but she didn't have that opportunity because she had no idea that is why I am on this mission to it is the most horrific thing I think that anybody can ever suffer through is losing your child and my goal is to make sure that other parents don't have to suffer from this type of loss. Yeah, I mean, hearing hearing his story and hearing he was surrounded by people. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just heartbreaking for one, but then also you said like these other kids, had they had this information, mm -hmm. it could have been different. Yeah, or if he knew that there was fentanyl and you could die from it, maybe he wouldn't have taken it or maybe one of his friends would have stepped up and been like, dude, you shouldn't do that. You could die from it. Like, There's just so many different things that could have happened if the awareness was out there two years ago. Yeah. So tell me about your mission now because you're on a mission. Yeah, I went full on into the advocacy and awareness. I wanted Narcan in the dorms. I requested a meeting with Tommy Thompson and he was the interim president of the UW system then. So the Rockwells is the other family who lost their son. And I had a meeting with Tommy Thompson. We told him our stories. This was not on the UW system's radar at all. They did not, were not even looking at fentanyl. They were so stuck in COVID. We requested that he uh, get Narcan in all the dorms and start an education campaign. And we asked him to mandate it. That was in January of 2022. So just two months after Kay died, I'm out there meeting with Tommy Thompson. On March 12th, he sent out a letter to all the schools and he didn't mandate it, but he strongly recommended that all the schools install these Narcan rescue kits in the dorms and start an awareness campaign. And really proud to say that now all of the UW campuses have Narcan in the residence halls, except for UW Superior. Okay. So that was a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Can you, yeah. I know about Narcan, I know about fentanyl, but I've never heard, like, what is a Narcan rescue kit? 
So there, it's a box on the wall in the in the dorms it, or wherever these are. It's Alberta's Awareness Kit. There also there's also another organization that calls them. They're called Oak Boxes. So, anyways, it's got two doses of Narcan in it, which is a it's the opioid reversal drug naloxone, but it's in a nasal spray. Oh, okay. So it's very easy to inject. It's just basically just like allergy nasal spray. And the thing about Narcan is the only thing it does is contradicts the opioids from the drug from attaching to your opioid receptors. So if you did not take an opioid, the drug does absolutely nothing. It's not something that you get addicted to. You don't have any side effect from it. I've been to trainings where they've actually administered it on somebody to show how it works. And its its sole purpose is to reverse an opioid overdose. And I'm a mom. I have four teenagers in my house. These are things that we talk about. Is this something yeah. that I, I can get? Can anybody have access to this Narcan? Yeah. And actually it was just made over the counter. So now you can go into Walgreens and buy it and, and they probably keep it behind the counter, but you, you do not need a prescription for it. Okay. That's, that's very good information for parents because I have heard stories yes. about kids who've been at home, a very similar situation to Cade, except at home and to have these resources yeah. available to you in your home. I mean, that's huge. Right. And there's a lot of families too, where kids are finding their parents dead because their parents are using. So it's not just the kids, it's parents oh. too. I'm in this whole new world that I never expected to be in. So now I'm in all these social media groups, like Lost Voices of Fentanyl. There's probably 40,000 people in this Facebook group who have lost a loved one. Wow. Yeah. So I hear all the different types of stories. I mean, there's babies across the country that are dying now because they have parents that are drug users in their home. And with the fentanyl, like powder, or they find a pill, there's a lot of babies that are dying now as well. So how are you, I mean, it it sounds ridiculous to say, how are you doing? But you are, you have taken just an awful tragedy and you also have grief with it, but then you're also out advocating and creating awareness. So how do you blend all of these together and still be Michelle? Because you are still a woman, a a person who's doing all these things and having very, very strong, I imagine, emotions. And I know that grief also shows up in interesting ways and in very unexpected places and spaces. So how are you managing Mm -hmm. all of this? Yeah. Well, and just to address that, I mean, the pain, it's that first 16 months, I think it was, the pain is it just lives in every single cell of your body 24 hours a day. There's no escape. It's the most horrific thing to deal with. But what I found is that like around that 16 month time frame, I started having a little bit of a shift where it didn't hurt 24 seven, but then I started feeling a little bit guilty about that. I was like, how can I start to feel okay when my son is gone? And I had to like really work through those feelings and feel like, okay, I truly believe that he is in a good place. I know that he still exists. I am 100% certain that my kid's spirit is still here. So that gives me comfort. I'm like, he's okay. I have to give myself permission to be okay. And one of the things that's been really helpful is I did sell my business in July and I'm giving myself a year, I'm calling it a gap year right now, (laughs) to really tend to my grief and not feel like I have to rush between everything in my life. So one of the things that I'm doing right now is I just started a class at UW through continuing studies, and I'm going to get a certificate to be a grief support specialist. 
And then in January, I actually have a trip booked to Thailand. I'm going for a month to get yoga teacher trained. And my goal after that is to come up with a brief yoga class and help people move through that pain that gets held in your body and move through their grief through movement. That's incredible. When I read that, that you were going to do the yoga teacher training, because I mean, you could take a yoga teacher training here, but you're not doing that. Yeah. You're going <laughs> like, that seems like it would be so because you will also be going through that movement there. And you also, you have grief stored in your body. So you will be, I, I can just imagine the releases that will happen from you also taking this training oh, yeah. and then being able to then take that to people because grief, pain, trauma is stored in your body. And mm -hmm. that is such a gift. I know when I had the gym and I would work with people through training, they would come in one version of themselves and leave completely changed because the energies that, that moved through them during physical movement and they just left happier. So to, to hear nice. that you're doing that is such a gift to people going through grief. Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of people that have grief from all sorts of different things. And mm -hmm. that would be such a great experience for them and tool for them to have, especially with somebody who truly can know them. Because I think when you're, when you're in this club of loss of someone who's so close to you, especially as a mother, and you see that person, you can, you like see them differently. There's a different essence to them that you get to witness. And there's such, yeah. there's just, I, I can't even put it to words. It's just, it's so moving to be able to be in that experience with another person. Yeah. And the, this, this type of loss, like there's just absolutely no way you can comprehend the depth of the pain until you go through it yourself. I had had a friend that I worked with at Brava who lost her son while we were working together. And you have so much empathy and your heart hurts for them, but it's just the depth of this, there's just no understanding. So I think, you know, to be able to be in a space where I have that shared experience with people and to be knowing what they're going through and really having been there and felt it, I think will be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're meeting and you're, you're talking and sharing your experience with people and kind of spreading this awareness to the people who are listening, a lot of my audience is made up of mothers. How mm -hmm. do you share this information and how do you recommend, do you have any advice for them on like the next steps they can do or how they can sort of bring up this topic with their, I mean, like I, we were saying kids, but you said like, this is, there's no boundaries here. Yeah. Well, one of the pieces of advice I've been giving parents, even with little kids, is just getting them started on never taking any medication from anybody. Even if they're at a sleepover and have a headache, I would train them from a very young age that we don't take anything from anybody except mom and dad. If you're at a sleepover and you think you have a headache, you call me and I will bring you some whatever your appropriate thing is that you would give your child and just getting them into this habit of don't take anything. I think when I look back on this now, you know, Kate started vaping in middle school and that was where I think his brain chemistry started changing is getting addicted to the nicotine, but it goes back further. Like 
I think in fourth, fifth grade, we need to be having conversations with the kids about the dangers of these illicit drugs and how it's a whole new world out here right now with fentanyl in it. This is not the way it was when we were growing up. Um, there's no room for experimentation. So we also need to be teaching our kids coping skills because I think that's what's happening. There's so many kids that are dealing with depression and anxiety. So I think we have to go really upstream and really make sure the kids understand like what are, even do like role plays with them. If you're feeling depressed or feeling anxious, let's talk through some things that you can do to cope with that and deal with those emotions so that you don't turn to drugs or alcohol and be really vigilant on who their friends are and changes in their behavior. But my goal is really to get them and have really in-depth conversations before they ever start to experiment. Because once they start to experiment, it gets their hook in them. And it's really hard to change those behaviors. That's so interesting because we're kind of told. And from when we were kids, like, that's what kids do. They experiment. It's part of adolescence. It's part of growing up. But you're right. The, the drugs today they are not the drugs of the 80s and the 90s. Are they addictive? Yes, but there was not fentanyl in right. the drugs when we were growing up. So this idea of being okay with experimentation is no longer yes. an idea that we can have because experimentation can, like, what was the, the thing? One, one pill that was really profound. One pill can kill. Yes. Well, and here's the thing. They're being pressed to look like Xanax and Adderall and Ecstasy and Percocets and Oxy. So they look just like a real pill. It looks like a prescription pill. It doesn't look like it's made in an underground lab. They look real. There was two girls at Ohio State. One was pre-med. I can't remember what the other one was. They were studying for exams and they took Adderall to help them stay up to study. Both of them died because it wasn't Adderall. It was fentanyl. So just think about how many kids are prescribed Adderall or how kids see their parents taking Xanax or pain medications. I had a friend who had sciatica pain. She went to the emergency room because it was so bad. They gave her a prescription of Oxy for sciatica pain. They didn't address the root cause of it. We're so quick in this society to just prescribe pills for everything. And so for kids, like these days, it's kind of normalized. You see your parents taking things like somebody, you're at a party and somebody's like, hey, try the Xanax. You have no idea that it's not really a Xanax, that it came from yeah. a drug dealer. You know, you probably thought they got it from the parents' medicine cabinet. And if they're at a party, there's likely alcohol. So you're already, yeah. your like processing is already different. So there was, we have alcoholism that I have to talk to my kids about. They, it's pretty close to them. And so we talk a lot about if you're at a party, if you're offered like these things. And one thing that I remember, I don't know if I listened to it, I read it, but it said, this isn't just a one and done conversation. You have to be having these conversations all the time, like bringing them up as often as you can. And really, like you said, normalize. This is yes. just part of the things that we talk about because they'll forget it. And when I work with my clients, I talk about a well-worn path. Like it's like one of those things where you have to like, where the path in their brain of this is not okay. We, mm -hmm. there is no experimentation. This is not right. something like if you're at a party, just say, no, go back to that. We're not taking right. things that we don't know what it is. 
All right, badasses, we're interrupting the podcast so I can share how I keep all of my shit together, and that is with a solid morning routine. I have a freebie out because the one thing I hear from all of my clients is that if they had a solid morning routine, they would have a much more on track and productive day. So in the show notes, you can grab my morning routine sheet. You will see all the things that make up a good morning routine, and then you can pick from which ones would be most serving for you and your life and where you are right now, and then start implementing them into your morning so you can have the best day possible. What you said also about kids not taking things that isn't from their parents. I can't tell you how many times, like if I've had it, like I don't have headaches often, but when somebody has given me something, they bring out like a baggie, like out of their like mom purse. And there's like different colored pill pills in it. And these are people that I would know. So I wouldn't think, but what you're saying is really powerful because I don't know. And even thinking of my grandma with like, you know, they have all these like little pills and things all in a bag, you know, here, Mm -hmm. take this. Mm -hmm. Like we can't do that. No No more. No, no. Yeah. So that's the other thing with the kids is to always tell them to like, you can never take anything from anybody unless it is prescribed exactly to you. And you know, it came from a pharmacy because you have no idea what's in it. And the stories of fentanyl being laced in marijuana, I'm hearing more and more and more stories of people overdosing. And I don't, we don't even call it us parents that have lost our kids to this. We call it a poisoning because I think what happens, and this was me too, because I was the mom that's like, that's not going to happen to my family. So I would tune it out. So I think mostly I heard about fentanyl because the rap stars that my kids were into were overdosing on fentanyl. And it was reported as a fentanyl overdose. And I was like, oh, that must be like a really strong drug that they took too much of. But that wasn't even what happened. Like they would really love Mac Miller. Mac Miller was poisoned because he thought he was taking a Percocet and it was fentanyl. So I think when we call it a poisoning instead, that wakes people up more to the fact like, oh, Wait, because when you hear overdose, you're like, yeah, my kid's not going to do that. But when you hear poisoning, it's like, oh, wait, that they weren't intending to take that. And then they got that. So I think that makes a really big difference in how we use our language. Yeah, this isn't I used too much of something that I have probably used a lot of in the past. This is a one off. This is this is a poisoning. This is fentanyl poisoning. Yeah. And what's so scary about this? I didn't even know to talk to. I didn't know enough about pills. I I just, I didn't know to have these in-depth conversations. I was more worried because I heard so much about the heroin epidemic. So my focus was like, whatever you do, you can never, ever try heroin because you will get addicted first time use. And just think about that. Heroin is really a scary thing. Like you have to be pretty far in to be going to heroin, be using a needle. But fentanyl in these pills, it's 50 times stronger than heroin. So imagine that, like we're warning our kids to not do heroin because of the addictive power. And now they're just like popping a pill that they think is no big deal. And it's 50 times stronger than heroin. Ugh, it's, it's absolutely insane. Yeah. And this is, so a lot of people ask me this, well, why would drug dealers want to kill their customers? And the reason why they're doing this is because it is so cheap to produce. It costs them less than a penny to make one pill. And so it's so cheap for them to produce. They're taking that one pill, selling it for 20 bucks. And, and then also it's so highly addictive. So I had a friend of mine whose son 
just a couple months ago, I got to see him and he said, Michelle, I have to tell you something. And he said, kid saved my life. I said, what do you mean he saved your life? Were you hanging out with him? And he said, no, he said, I was addicted to Percocets. And the day Kate died, my mom came into my bedroom and asked if I was still using. And she told me what happened. And he said, I asked her to go to the hospital and I have not used since. So we were in tears, but then I had the opportunity to ask him, I said, well, what was it like? And I said, I heard that it wears off really quickly and you need to take it again very soon afterwards. So how soon is that? Every 45 minutes. He said he was spending $200 a day. That's what this drug does to your brain because then it just, it needs it. It's like us needing water or food. Like think about how many times you feel like you need to have a sip of water. This, it starts to control your brain and you can't live without it. Mm-hmm. So it's really scary. And it's such a weird space to say like how wonderful that he was able to share that with you. That sounds weird to say, but like, that's very moving, but it is. It's like, I mean, if you think like I work with people who are addicted to sugar or addicted to food, you know, they are like, I can't not have it. Like I'll, I'll do okay. And then I can't like the brain is like, no, I need this. I need this. I need this. Right. And, and just think of the sugar. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just think of the sugar could kill you. Like yeah. that's what they, they're probably so addicted that they're like, eh, I need it anyways. Like, yeah. yeah, there might be a risk of that, but you know, it's worth the risk. And their prefrontal cortex isn't developed yet. Right. Like it's the, it's not going to happen to me, you know, sort of idea. Right. Exactly. I think that's a lot of the, yeah, that's a lot of mentality. Yes. And then just another story similar to that is I had, I spoke at Horizon High School, which is a recovery high school. And I told Kate's story and then we, it was super sweet. I got Ian's gift cards uh, for free slices and I have these random acts of kindness cards I have made up in Kate's memory with fentanyl awareness. So I took the kids down to State Street and I had them give out Cade's random act of kindness cards with the free slices and they got a little chance to advocate. But anyways, when we were still at the school, one of the boys raised his hand after I got done telling Cade's story and he just said, can I talk to you one-on-one afterwards? 16 years old and he came up and he gave me a hug and he said, this story hit really hard on me. And he said, I overdosed last week and luckily my parents saved me. And he said, I took a Percocet and I had no idea until I got drug tested that that was fentanyl. So he said, I, I don't want to do this to my parents. And he said, I'm going to really work at getting into recovery and getting help. So I, so that was another one. So I have this, this is what keeps me going too, is that I don't believe that this earth is all there is. I believe that we have a continued existence and, and so I'm trying to figure out like, okay, I have two choices here. I could either like crawl into a hole and live the rest of my life super depressed and sad, or I can take what I have learned and I can make an impact in the world. And I have this vision of all the lives that are being saved in Cade's name by me being brave enough to tell his story is that when I get to see Cade again someday, he's going to be, mom. Oh my gosh, I got to tell you about all these lives and we're going to have so much time for him to like, I see it on this, like this replay. He's going to be like, so here, this one kid, like he went on and did this with his life and he had this impact and we're going to like explore every single ripple effect of everybody who made a different choice that saved their lives. So I have that beautiful vision every time I get sad is he's making a huge impact and 
I, he's what's driving me to, to have the strength to to do this. Yeah. You, you are definitely, you are saving lives. You are saving lives. And when you talk about the, they went on to do this, like there are so many experiences that are going to have happened and people and shifts because of you and because of him and you being brave enough to share his story. Thank you for doing that. If there are parents out there, because there is a lot of parents who maybe, you know, you told the story of your friend who she went in her son's room and said, are you still doing this? There are parents who have found vapes. There are parents who their kids have struggled. What message do you have for them? Keep loving them. Don't like, we have to get rid of the stigma around this. This, as soon as they get addicted, it becomes a brain disease, not a choice. I did. I would have never, even if I knew Cade was using pills back then, I, I don't know if I would have understood it enough to, to know how to handle it. So I would say to understand that this is not something that they have the ability to get over on their own. They're going to need help and you're going to need to be very, very vigilant. And you just got to do the best you can and keep okay. loving them, love them Thank through you. it. Yeah. Cause I'm sure you know, they probably turn it on themselves. Is this my fault? Have I done something like, and then some are worried, you know, what are other people going to think? Yeah. And that's what we have to get rid of the stigma. This is happening to all. I mean, I'd never would have thought I, I was one of those people that would have said, not my kid. It's not going to happen to my kid. I can, I can tune that out. But in this, what's going on right now, it could be anybody's kid or it could be your kid that it can save somebody's life. And so that's why everybody needs to be talking about this. And then also recognizing the signs of a drug overdose and to call 911 immediately. There are so many stories out there of that parents that I'm reading where their friends dumped them or left them and yeah. didn't call 911 because they were afraid or kids that don't want to get their friend in trouble. So one of Kate's friends who's really close with told me I knew he had started using perks and I told myself the next time I saw him do it, I was going to call and tell you. Oh, that poor kid too. Okay. So this is not only, this is really important. This is not only about educating our kids on what they could be taking. This is also educating our kids and other and people, what the signs are, what it's about, what you can do, because if somebody has taken something, you can save their life. Yes. And so this isn't about being worried about getting your friend in trouble yeah. anymore. This is about life or death. So I think that's another thing that parents can do is just, you know, have that open dialogue with your kids and say, like, are any of your friends using drugs at all? Like, what are you seeing? What's happening at school? What's being talked about? And then to not be afraid to call somebody's parents and say, you need to know this yeah. is happening. I'm really worried that they could die. Because like kids are afraid. They don't want to be the narc. They don't want to get their friend in trouble. But it, I mean, it, it could be so much worse if they don't. Yes. And and then they have to live with that. Yes. And that's another thing too is what does trouble look like in your family? Because if, you're, if they are afraid to talk to you, that can be another kind of a way of conversation and kind of opening that up so that, you know, when, when stuff does come up, that there's a kind of, this is specifically like kids, parents with younger kids, kind of fostering that environment where they can tell you, or maybe their friends can tell you, you, you things like that. So that maybe take away some of that, you said, like the stigma and the worry about kind of, you know, letting parents know what's going on, which is really hard. 
yeah, because kids don't, they, they want to keep some of that to themselves. They don't want yeah. to share everything. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Anything else that you would like to share with the listeners today? Uh, I think, you know, for everybody to just realize that stigma is a big problem and why this topic has not been talked about as much as it should be and that we can't judge people. I do a lot of posting on Facebook about Cade and I just recently got barraged by trolls saying things like junkie deserve to die. Don't use pills. Duh. If you're stupid enough to buy pills off the street, you deserve to die. Just like a barrage of horrible comments like that. And those are the people that are willing to like put it out there on social media and say it. And I know there's a lot more people that think that. So I just want to make sure that people understand that this can happen to anybody. Nobody's immune. Kids make mistakes and kids are going to experiment and just to not judge anybody who is either dealing with a drug addiction or alcohol addiction themselves or have a child that they're dealing with that is dealing with that because people are afraid like, that was really hard for me to, he- to hear those things. It's set- yesterday, all morning, I had to deal with my emotions around that. And so really, it's, it's hard to hear those things, um, but I have to be resilient to that. Um, but that is why people don't put themselves out there and talk about this because they don't want to be judged. So please do not judge. Yeah. Are those real people that are posting those things? Like- I don't know if they're computer generated or what, but I, they seem like real Facebook pages. I didn't dig into it that far. Oh, I'm sorry. That's yeah. horrible. But yeah, I can see like if somebody reads yeah. that, they think I don't want to share. I don't want right. to bring this up. Or if they hear somebody say that, I've never heard anybody say anything like that. I think I can feel my inner, my inner Enneagram eight yeah. coming out and wanting to like <laughs> go to your social media and like take these people yeah. out. <laughs> that's just, no, that's not yeah. okay. That's yeah. not okay. Because if people are afraid to share, like we have to like that. And that's this is like with anything, people have to feel safe enough to be able to share the stigma of all things like mental health, right? We, we have to remove yeah. that. Yeah. Or my friend whose son was in this addiction, she didn't ever tell me. And she said it was his story to tell me that he wanted to talk to me about it. But even when she was going through it, she kept it secret. So, because people don't want people to know what's going on and they're embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. I have a women's circle that I have. And when I do this circle every single time, the women are so thankful because they're like, I feel like I'm not alone. And when we were in it this week, they had said, I just feel so connected. It's just so good hearing other people's stories. Like I, I have those same things. And none of these women really knew each other beforehand. None of them. They're just a small sampling. And I'm like, these people are out there all not sharing because they're afraid to show up as they are. So please like, just know that everybody everywhere has something Mm -hmm. and the connection that you can make with people by sharing your story is so it's huge and lives can literally be changed by you being vulnerable enough to share your story. And I, for you, I'm so grateful that you're here. And I am so thankful that people can hear your message and then create conversation 
and you absolutely save lives and change lives and change families. Okay. Last thing we're going to, this is going to get real light here. We're just taking a hard left. Share your number one life hack or tip that has helped you save time, energy, or resources. How about emotional resources of let that shit go? (laughs) Ooh, I like it. I like it. How do you let it go? Do you have a like a a way or a ritual or something that you're able because it's easy to say, let that shit go. But do you have a way that you're actually able to like release it? I've experienced the worst thing that could ever happen to me. So when things start to creep into my head that are bothering me, I'm like, that doesn't even matter. Like, it's just, that's, that is not the worst thing that has happened to me. I got to just let that go because I've suffered way worse and I'm strong enough to get through this and it doesn't even matter. So I just like try to not, not let it take up real estate in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. You're putting it in perspective of like, I have been through I've been through so much. I've been through the worst, but also like what actually matters right now. And yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for Michelle. Thank you for sharing your story. Before we hop off, do you have any resources for people that they can go and gather yeah, more I information on this? It's C-A-D-E-S-Light.org. And it's a memorial to Cade, but I also have a, a page of a bunch of fentanyl resources there with links to other organizations. But there's you can go learn more about Cade and his story and just see pictures of him and, and also a lot of the work that I've been doing. I've got a blog on there with a lot of the advocacy work that I've been doing. Okay. Thank you. We'll list that in the show notes. So go check that out. And also this, this is one share with your people, send this podcast on, take the links and, and share them because this is something that we need to, to spread awareness on and share Michelle's story and Kate's story. Okay. Thank you so much, Michelle. Spirit of a Badass is a Lit Path Studios podcast and is produced by Jamie Gale and Alicia Jacobson. Music by Shane Ivers. We'll be back with another inspiring interview. Until then, keep your spirits high and your energy badass.